other thing where people are getting it wrong, abdominal and core are different. Right. You know, I'd essentially classify the core from from the lat to the glute, inclusive of the lat. Right, okay, yeah. Because it's a system. It's a system that stabilizes the spine. That's the core. Mm. All right, okay, so, so let, let's talk lifting belts, okay, and support. So when I... When I first started, when you st- first started programming for me and we did our assessment and stuff, I was wearing um, the, the standard 10 millimeter, 10 millimeter belt mm-hmm. um, and I was lift, doing it all the way through my training as a safety precaution, right? Like it, it felt, it feels more secure. Your recommendation was, to me was to lose the belt during your training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can work on technique. So I know a lot of people who won't, definitely won't deadlift without a belt. What are the reasons for training without, and when, when, when and when shouldn't you use one? So yes, there's definitely an over an overuse or over reliance on lifting belts. Yeah, you gotta look at the reasons why we use it first. Yep. So the reasons why we'd use a belt is to increase the amount of stability and intra-abdominal pressure we have around the spine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of the times that people aren't creating it in the first place, okay, so we're not enhancing it, we become a reliance. Now, it is the belt itself is not very good at increasing stability around the spine. The core is, okay, the core is what builds the stability. Mm. And our ability to increase intra-abdominal pressure, the mechanism of increasing intra-abdominal pressure through manipulation of our anatomy, spine, ribs and pelvis mainly, um, and the contraction of the diaphragm to create compression in the abdominal cavity. Yep. So this, um, and then obviously once we contract the diaphragm, that increases intra-abdominal pressure. The secondary part is the then the stabilizing muscles around will then support the structure of the spine and the position, or the incomplete structure of spine, spine, pelvis, and ribs, which then allows for optimal force transfers transfer through the body. Yep. The belt then can act as something to enhance that performance. Now the over people feel comfortable with it because it does increase pressure a bit and stability a bit. So, but they have never learned the foundational techniques to create that stability or intra-abdominal pressure. It it becomes a crutch rather than something that accentuates the effect. Yeah. Yeah. So that needs to be mastered, mastered first to if to increase both performance and if you have back pain to reduce or to get rid of back pain in lifting so putting more structure more belt on won't help there is times to use that so um, in particular there's if you do have a disc disc injury and you're having a hard time like like acute pain yep. from injury yes a belt may be used to help maintain stability um, just throughout the day, not even training, like training. If that if that's happening, we're not tr- we're not training optimally. We're training to try and increase core strength to look yeah. after our spine. So we're doing rehab. So that's when it's really bad. We can use it as a training tool to help increase uh, intra-abdominal pressure. I tend to use, there's two ways I do it. So one is that I'll put a very small band or put a band around that will fit tightly just to, just the bottom of their ribs. And because that puts a little bit of pressure on the diaphragm, so when they breathe, the band, the band expands. 
because the diaphragm is then contracting and compressing the mm. abdominal cavity. So that acts as a bit of a cue because some people have a very hard time doing that. That, that so that so just to cut you off there, that that's the cue I use. So I struggle maintaining that core pressure throughout a lift, mm-hmm. um, especially in the bench. I feel like especially in the bench, it's, I, I, I just lose all the pressure halfway through mm-hmm. um, the lift. What I found is just having that that feeling of a bit of resistance there, just so I can feel that I'm pushing my stomach out, maintaining the core pressure, That that that's all I need. I just need the kind of feeling. Yeah. So yeah. some people get very good, can get good at compressing the diaphragm, but then lose it as soon as they start to yep. start to move. So this is where various you know exercises... There's other exercises that help train that, but sometimes that skill starts, sort of doesn't carry over. Yep. So we can put a band around to also look at if it decreases through the lift. So they put all their mental focus on trying to maintain that pressure. So they'll might. So sometimes they'll take they'll take a breath, brace, but then they'll try to set up the squat or the bench press. And as soon as they start to descend the bar, they lose it. Yep. So they put all the focus on maintaining that, and then almost kind of moving autonomously to that. Because some people use it as a like a way of reactive momentum mm. to it all so they'll have this whole sequence of taking a huge breath in the diaphragm does its own thing and then and then we lose it all so it's like trying to build tension and then let the arms move or let the legs move whatever the movement is is doing whilst we're putting our focus on the um focus on the diaphragm we can also then try putting so i've even used it with people to put up to use a, a high belt so they'll use a very a smaller belt that isn't very strong and they put it above um, sit it around their ribs mm. and that can help with um, focusing so that that takes away from trying to create stability around the core and just puts the emphasis on the diaphragm yeah so using up a high belt and i found that it has has increased people's performance as well so in terms of more as a cue and those those type of training modalities will be better for for lifting because you can try and cue it outside of it but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll carry over yeah. because it doesn't work within the system. So everything, so the squat, everything we learn has to be integrated into that pattern because the brain is only going to tell the body to, when you say squat, it has a sequence between one and 10 that it's going to fire exactly. Mm-hmm. Unless we use a cue to change one of those patterns within say like sequence number, say seven, you know, we need to add something or change something, change a line in that code so that we can have a different have a different outcome. Otherwise, the mind is going to play it like a tape recording over and over again mm. unless we consciously change, change that. So we may learn all the breathing techniques outside of training, but unless we focus on trying to change that line of code with various cues or training implements that force, that force positions or or particular angles or joint angles or, or whatever it is that we're trying to do to change that line of code so that mm. within that system of the squat pattern, then then we can finally learn how to do it properly. So, so when, with, with your best athletes, when are they, are they ever training with a belt or are they just competing? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah, all the time. But they learn to use the belt up until a certain time. So I'll put the belt on up to a certain weight. Let's say seventy-five percent or something. Yeah. So when they do it, when they're starting to do heavy triples and things like that, the belt comes on. Yeah, and they'll use it more and more, especially in more equipment and all that stuff. And um, coming into coming into competition yeah. um, and off season as well, you know, uh, 
pe- people need to stay in the stimulus of lifting, of yep. lifting competition style to keep getting stronger. Whether the, the changes in volume will be different, but essentially we should they should be using the, all the equipment that they can to simulate the the, the performance yep. method they're doing. When I say everything's in a system, that is more narrow, more specified for elite elite lifters. Yeah. So you know, lifting without a belt, lifting without a belt will only carry up to some degree to maximal lifting. You know, essentially, you have to learn to lift with all the equipment. Yes. If the foundational skills aren't there, then should remove the belt, learn to use without it. Advanced lifters, and it happens all the time, they get too reliant on it. Mm. If you have time, we'll pull the belt out for a while and try and increase their strength without the belt, um, especially if we're trying to build lower back resilience. So mm. they have had back injuries. My goal is also to try and increase resilience. Can we lift more weight without a belt? Can we do more without a belt? Can we move in more directions, do more movement without the belt and essentially the carryover effect from that is is better spine stability doesn't necessarily mean as a direct carry carryover to the squat pattern but the elements that we're trying to achieve in terms of trying to have a strong core to manage mm. lower back resilience will carry over to the squat very well because we should be able to do more volume without pain more frequently do you think then that that um, foundational training without the belt to improve that core stability and things like that. Does that mean that people who have that foundation are less likely to experience back pain generally in life around the training versus people who, even though they could both lift the same weight, one is utterly reliant on a belt versus somebody who has the right abdominal? abdominal? Yes, so yes yes and no. I think a lot of the people... I'm talking from experience here. A lot of the people who end up learning how to use their core really to the absolute efficiency, mm. highest level of efficiency, have had a back injury. Yeah. Or they've had some sort of back pain, which then cues them and forces them to actually learn and right. adapt more. There's a reason for them to... It's like yeah. learning from a mistake. Yeah. They do get taught how to do it or do it properly. And from time to time, we will check it. Things happen, injury happen, things get lazy, things get... Things get missed, and a lot of the times they don't learn the importance of it until, until it's, you know, near the end. Well, I mean, for for some reason, and we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back to uh, what we said before about bodybuilding tends to be for the general person the dominant kind of entryway into into lifting. Mm-hmm. I I feel like abdominal work is seen as an aesthetic. Mm. Thing that you do it at the end of a session and this is where another thing where people are getting it wrong abdominal and core are different right you know I'd essentially classify the core from from the lat to the glute inclusive of the lat right the okay yeah because it's a system it's a system that stabilizes the spine that's the core mm. um, and allows us to maximize force transfer all right from the legs to the upper body or to the bar mm. and vice versa from the bench press through the body through to the floor back up so the ground reaction forces so we got again forced we're looking at force transfer yep. here but yes essentially a, a lot of the things that bodybuilding bodybuilding does i think uh is secondary to what should be learnt first yes yeah. and if someone's goal is that i think we still need you know performance and physique are built on pillars of health health Mm. and good function 
now a lot of the times, I mean, both of them are overlooked all the time, but functional movements is overlooked. You know, can we squat? You know, can we hinge? Mm. And those essentially are the foundations of being able to move properly and then being able to move properly will increase the amount of work we can do out of injury and utilize the exercise to better efficient, efficiently target muscle groups mm. if we're going into the bodybuilding bodybuilding realm. So I think the foundations of trying to build um, build muscle in terms of in a bodybuilding sense should be built on a foundation of quality movement. Yes. First, as well as qual- as quality health. You know, because you got to look at training for something specific as a stress, but we have to have the foundations of our health to handle that stress, mm. so yep. that we can, you know, grow and recover. Awesome. Again, that's gone. Again, now we said, like you said, <laughs> let's try and find something that's less philosophical. But yeah, um, you you look you put the, we put the belt under under a philosophy of uh, of ideology of behind why people do do it, and essentially, you know, it's lacking the foundations. Yeah, and like 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 anything, it's always better to spend the time to learn it, do it properly, uh, rather than cutting corners and then long term being reliant on that. Yeah, but no one ever learns from mistakes without having making mistakes. So true. Yeah, it's hardly ever, it's rarely ever a, t- a time. A few people do come straight straight to me, but without um, and doing everything properly, essentially, is everyone's before they come to me, they've been through been through things they've mm. can't figure out they can't get any better somewhere else is something missing then that's when we're generally pulling everything back but that's normal that's how it works yeah you know so that's just again we're looking at the philosophy of coaching is that we do know understand the foundations that to build to um to build performance and build build a physique and it is our job to get people to move like that to move better and and be healthier so yep. that they can then essentially achieve achieve their goals. That's that's I guess the coaches. That's what the coaches' understanding yes should be. So, cool. All right, done.